good. I've, I brought a message and I thought, you know what, it's a little bit strong. It's asking quite a lot. Maybe I should, uh, you know, how am I going to bring that? Uh, and then, but over and over again, the same message has just been repeated. God wants us all. God, you know, what are we going to bring to him? Uh, how much of our lives are we willing to yield to him? So I think this is significant. It's a significant time for us all. So hopefully what God is saying comes through in this. Um, we are starting a new series. What was the last series? And Fruits of the Spirit. I loved that one. It was really cool. Um, really good to just get your heads around different bits, you know, one different bit each week. It's a really good series. And uh, challenging as well, thinking about how do we put that into our lives. I, I really enjoyed doing that series. Um, this one is just like it's the one, okay? It's Jesus, knowing Jesus. There couldn't be a more important series than that. Like, it is literally the absolute center of our faith to know who Jesus is. God sent Jesus. He, Jesus is fully God. He's on earth and he's revealing to us some truths that we couldn't know any other way. Sounds a bit weird on that. Um, and he's bringing that to us in the person of Jesus. So it's so vitally important that we get to know who Jesus is for ourselves. So knowing Jesus, that's what this, this series is. And uh, we're going to do Knowing Jesus and then a little subtitle for each week. So we're going to go over the course of eight weeks or 12 weeks, I can't remember. Um, and different people are going to bring different bits about Jesus. I want to really encourage you, use this time to think about who Jesus is to you. Get to know him for yourself. It's a really important thing. Who Jesus is shapes everything about how we do Christianity, the personhood of Jesus, what we know about him and how we know him ourselves. So I'm really excited to be kicking this series off. So my take on it is um, knowing Jesus, it's the leader we follow. Hopefully that's what I wrote. Yes, the leader we follow. Also, note the graphics. Pretty good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> They're there to help uh, visually impaired see that at a great distance, but unfortunately, I didn't have the proper font. So if you're colorblind, this one's for you. Um, so yeah, knowing the leader we follow, I think, wow, thinking about who Jesus is and following him is quite a big deal. It's quite a big deal. You know, sometimes we're, um, we're following people who are following Jesus. I think that's something we get caught up in. Has, it, has that ever seemed like that to you? Sometimes we're following people who are following Jesus. And part of that's legitimate. Jesus calls us to make disciples and, and uh, you know, bring them to him. Um, but there's also something that can get lost in that if we're following people who are following Jesus because we're supposed to be following Jesus. And sometimes we end up even following people who are following people who are following Jesus. And that's when it starts to become a little bit like it's more important for us to um, fit in with the culture around us and to start to look like the culture around us, the church culture. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing, but it's not the main thing. Do you know what I'm saying? So sometimes we do that, and we're really good at picking up on uh, you know, the right way to behave, the right way to look like a, a member of this community, the right way to be in this community, um, and these are good things, so that means it's a good culture, but we 
need to know Jesus for ourselves. We need to know him. It's the revelation of who God is. And we can't come at that second hand and third hand. We've got to get to know um, who Jesus is. Like with a, a keenness, with a sharpness, with a revelation and continue to apply that to our lives. So it's kind of a big deal. Getting to know who Jesus is for ourselves. It's, it's everything. So here's a little uh, story just to ease you in gently. Okay, when I was a kid, I used to have a bow and arrow. So hands up if you ever had a bow and arrow. When you, oh, good. Fellow archers. <laughs> now, looking around, just checking you out, I, I think there's, there's two kinds of people who get bows and arrows when they're kids. There's kids whose the parents think, yep, he's pretty responsible, I can trust him with that. Um, you know, I think he's right. And then there's the other kind of kid who's just like roaming around the estate, shooting cats and things like that. <laughs> And I feel like I qualified to be in the responsible category. So I'm, like, I'm happy. When I look back, I think, yeah, that's why. Um, it wasn't just that my parents ignored me and just sent me out every day with whatever tools of death I could find. <laughs> um, so I remember one day, I was in, my dad had a field, and so I had a place to practice on my own. And uh, I was shooting, and it was good. I liked it. I've always enjoyed shooting bows and arrows and guns and things like that. Um, and I was really enjoying it, and I just thought, I bet I could jazz this up a bit. <laughs> I bet I could make this a bit more interesting, because I had this other hobby, which was rockets. I love rockets. Um, you know, like bonfire night, you know, firing rockets. I love, how cool is that? They fire up in the sky, it's amazing. And then I had these model rockets, which you could get, which uh, you put like a, some kind of uh, gunpowder thing in the bottom, and it fired up, in, and then a, a parachute jumped out. It went so high in the sky, it was amazing. And I thought, hold on a minute. Here's me just thinking on the horizontal plane. I've got to expand my thinking here, take it to the next level. I could fire this arrow up in the air. This is going to be amazing. It's going to go up like a rocket. It'll be so cool. And then I, was, I thought about it, and I was like, and when it comes down, it's going to go into the ground so hard. It might even like, I wonder how far up that arrow it's going to go. So I've got my plan. This is a brilliant plan, I'm thinking. This is my new hobby. I'm going to fire these arrows into the sky, watch them come down. Like, it'll be brilliant. So, right, I'm going for it. Fired up my arrow like this. Let it go. And man, it shot up. It was brilliant. It was everything I'd hoped for. It, took, it just went up, literally like a rocket. It was brilliant. It went up and up and up. And then something happened which I hadn't quite accounted for. <laughs> it disappeared. <laughs> I'm like... Ooh, <laughs> that's gone. And then I suddenly realized, that's coming down now. <laughs> and I don't, like, ooh, all of a sudden I'm like full on panic. That arrow's coming back down to ground with lethal force in like a few seconds time. And looking around, I have nowhere to hide. I don't know where to run because wherever I run, I could be running to the exact spot where that arrow lands. <laughs> just skewered as I go. And I suddenly realized, Panic, and I just legged it. I just ran. I don't know. I actually can't remember where there was nothing to hide. I think I ran, ran out of the field, across another couple of fields, just to get out of the way. Because I'm like this. Oh, I really did not think that through. I, like I thought I'd thought it through. I'd imagined it all. The arrow turning round. I just hadn't imagined not being able to see it. <laughs> Somewhere. I, I, I never found the arrow. There could, be, there could be an unexplained death in Howarth. Somebody was like, how did it happen? Someone from a plane fired it on him or something. But, um, like, the, the thing is, I, I thought I'd known what was going on. I thought I'd seen the big picture. And I thought, but I hadn't. 
I hadn't seen it all. I hadn't like really, really thought this through. I'd seen the beginning and I'd seen the end, but I guess I hadn't realized the significance of all the steps along that journey. So let's have a look at this Bible verse. It says, Luke 14, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? This is an inv- invitation. He's talk- Jesus, this is Jesus talking about discipleship. It's an invitation for us to have a look at what discipleship involves. So that's what we're doing over the next however many weeks this series lasts. We're going to have a look at what Jesus says discipleship is all about. So we can actually count the cost so that we can know what we're getting into, so we can reckon with it and see if we're able to complete this tower. You don't want to be like Lyndon, firing his arrow up in the air and then running for your life. It says, for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees you will ridicule you, um, th- saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. We've got to, look, we've got to know what we're doing. This is, to know Jesus is to know how to follow him. Uh, we want to follow Jesus. We've got to know what it is that is. Okay, next one. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Wow, that's quite a big deal. That's up there. Give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Did you know that's what you were getting into? Did you know that's what being a disciple of Jesus was? Oh, are you thinking like me? Like, I like the idea of rockets and I like the, idea, I like the finish, like heaven. You know, that sounds cool, you know, or all the bonuses. But I didn't really realize what was involved all along the way. So, yeah, Jesus is really speaking to us, I think, today, saying, have a good look at what it means to be my disciple. So, sometimes we think about following Jesus, because that's what we're called to do, isn't it? Follow Jesus, follow Jesus. What does that mean? Well, the first thing that comes into my mind is like Instagram. You know, so, well, like one person nodded. I thought, wrong audience. <laughs> uh, now what? Um, put your hands up if you know what Instagram is. Right, okay, good. You can tell me a bit more about it afterwards. I do have an account. Oh, no, Twitter. That's what I'm thinking of. Who knows Twitter? Yeah, good. Or Facebook. Right, you follow people, yeah, on social media. You follow them, and you, and you get to hear what they have to say, or get to see their pictures on Instagram, or you know, when you follow them, it's like you. Or if you're following a football team, you find out what's going on with that football team, don't you? You like following the information about them, and then what we do is we, um, we, you know, we like it, you know, click like, oh, I like that. Well, I like what that what that person said, and then sometimes we share it. You know, click share, you can do that. You can click on something and share it with other people. Oh, see what this person said. I want you to hear what this person said, because I like that. Um, And sometimes we think about Jesus, following Jesus a bit like that. You know, we turn up at church and we, uh, or you know, we we like the things that we hear. And yeah, we we tell other people about it. We share what Jesus has said. Unfortunately, that's not what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, that's a good start. That's like... Uh, affiliating yourself with him, and it's like becoming familiar, and 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 you're starting to recognise the the uh, the strength of what's being said, and the need to share that with other people. It's a good start, but to follow Jesus is something a lot bigger than that. So remember, two weeks ago, no, two months ago, when I was talking about Peter, remember that one? Um, and so th- 
one of the things I loved about Peter was how when Jesus comes and calls him and he says, follow me, Peter just drops his nets and follows. And that actually happens for all the disciples. Um, well, a lot of them anyway. Matthew's in his tax booth and, and he leaves that and goes to follow. And this idea of following Jesus, it's not just about aligning ourselves with his teaching. It's not just about saying, I think that's good and that's the way the, sh- the world should be and I'm going to tell you about it. No, it's more. It actually, we have to forsake something. And in fact, what we, Peter forsakes his, um, his nets and his family and follows Jesus. And what we have to do when we're following Jesus is completely reprioritize our life with Jesus at the top in every area. That's what Peter does. He's like, I'm no longer going to do fishing. I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, that's obviously in Jesus' time when he was right there with them, it kind of made more obvious sense to leave his job and go and follow directly after him. But in our world, we have to figure out what this means in our life. So for you to follow Jesus involves radically reprioritizing your life so that Jesus is the number one consideration in all your areas, his way of doing things. Um, How he reveals himself to you in this area of your life has to be the number one thing. It's such a, like, amazing challenge when you think about it because we're continually, we're, we're really happy with the way we think about things. We're really happy with our own priorities, you know, and our own way of um, dealing with the, the, are the issues of our lives. We say, no, I've got this. I know what's best. And Jesus is saying, no, bring that to me in every area. Bring that to me and I will show you how to do it. That is what it means to live in the kingdom. That's what it means to follow and to, um, and to sacrifice all these other agendas you have in your life. We have to forsake them and follow Jesus to leave them behind. So the first call we have to follow Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples, follow me. We leave things behind. We reprioritize our lives so that Jesus is at the top. But then there's another time he says, follow me to his disciples. He says it a few times, even though they're already following him. But he's saying, no, follow me in this. Follow, you know, follow me further. And I think these are the things that God is speaking to us about. How are we going to follow him in the different areas of our life. Are we going to keep bringing it? So let's have a look together at Matthew 16. This is a, an amazing um, verse here. This is where Peter has a revelation about who Jesus is and speaks it out. So Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the son of man? That's how he refers to himself, the son of man. So he's saying, who do they say I am. That's a pretty cool title. I need a title like that, son of something or other. It'd be really cool. So who do people say the son of man is? So he's he's wanting to know the people you've encountered, the people who have bumped into me and seen bits about my ministry, the people who, you know, are sort of beginning to be familiar with who I am. Who, Who do they say I am? It's interesting, you can apply that to the world. Who do people say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Let's carry on. They replied, some say John the Baptist, because John the Baptist had been killed fairly recently, so they're thinking he's continuing on in the, in the anointing of John the Baptist, or maybe it is even John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So people, Peter's saying, people are beginning to recognize something about you. They're recognizing that there's something to do with God there. You know, these are prophets. These are important people, the most important people in the Old Testament. They're beginning 
to recognise that about Jesus. And I think sometimes we, we can begin to recognise things about Jesus, but the implications are much stronger. We're not called just to recognise things about Jesus and to like and share. We're called to do something much more significant than that. Next one. Simon Peter oh, says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So two things he's saying there. Number one is you are the Messiah. So the Messiah is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament kind of prophecies that um, God would restore Israel, put somebody on the throne from the, um, from the line of David and bring wholeness to Israel. Um, and son of the living God, that's a, a phrase that they used to refer to the, the ruler at the time. So Caesar was called son of God. And that's, that's what they called themselves. It's like, I'm adopted. I'm God's man on the earth. God's like son on the earth to embody who he is. And there is currently somebody using that title, son of God. It's called Caesar, Caesar Augusta. And Peter's saying, you are, you are the rightful ruler of this earth and you are the rightful person who's coming to restore Israel. So that's the revelation. That's what Peter's seen. He's seen it above and beyond what everyone else has seen. He's seen something else about who Jesus is. And Jesus is really pleased with this answer. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, so Peter sounds like rock in Aramaic. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is an amazing affirmation of Peter's revelation. He's like he's literally here, here's the keys, over to you. It's incredible. Because of the revelation, because of what he's seen of who Jesus is. He's seen something and Jesus responds to that with here's the car keys, go off and drive it. It's amazing and later on in Peter's um, life we see he, he does this binding and loosing. So Peter has a revelation from God that everything that was formerly seen as unclean is now clean and can be eaten and so he's loosing that and because it's loosed on earth, it's loosed in heaven and that's the rules now. That's amazing. Peter's got such great power because of the revelation, because he knows something about Jesus. Let's have a look at the next verse. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He ordered his, dis he ordered his disciples not to tell anybody. But that, don't you think that's a really important piece of information? Why, why, why is he ordering his disciples not to tell anybody about it. I mean, they're so excited. They've recognized who Jesus is. They're saying he's going to be on the throne of Israel. Um, he's the rightful um, person to reign on this, uh, on, in this place. And yet he orders them not to tell anybody about it. It's really interesting because there's something they still don't know about Jesus. There's something they still haven't gathered about Jesus. There's still some part of him that they, they haven't really connected with. Let's have a look at the next verse. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. They haven't got that in their head. They haven't seen that the path to following Jesus is Jesus going to his death. 
and being resurrected. So they've got this great revelation of who Jesus is, but it's incomplete. And so he actually says, don't, don't go tell anybody yet. I've got more to show you. Because the path we have to follow to Jesus, it's not, it's not just firing the arrow up, and it's not just the end game when the arrow falls down. The path we have to follow is to follow Jesus. That's what we're being called to do. And his disciples haven't grasped that. They, they haven't grasped that they've been called to both die and be resurrected. That's the wholeness of the gospel. That's the fullness of what's going on. Let's have a look at the next verse. He says, Peter, go on, sorry, back. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. It's interesting. Peter um, says this is not the plan. He's not happy with this plan. He doesn't like the way it looks. He, he wants Jesus to be, to be growing bigger and bigger and bigger. He doesn't want Jesus to have to go through death and, and be reborn. He doesn't like that version of the kingdom. He likes the version of the kingdom that he's seen in his mind, where Jesus is um, exalted as, as the king straight away in Israel and, and conquers it all. And so he takes Jesus on one side and says, no way, that's not happening. That's not how it's going to work out. And I think often in our lives, we have our own agenda for how Jesus is going to be in this world. We often come, we, we often say, this is how it's going to work out. This is what church is going to look like. Or this is what church is going to look like. And we haven't grasped Jesus' version. Sometimes we can be like, oh, the church, it's, you know, like let's say, for instance, you're, um, you tend towards left-leaning kind of sensibilities and you say like, oh, you know, Jesus is all about social justice and uh, living together as a community and those kind of typically left-leaning things. And you see that in the gospel of Jesus and you say, yes, this is what Jesus is about. This is what it is about. And you can be fully convinced that that is the message of Jesus encapsulated in, in your own ideology. Or maybe you're right-leaning. And you're like, no, Jesus is all about individual, personal responsibility. He's all about um, moral, you know, following a moral code and, and about like moral purity and like how we take responsibility for our own lives. Those are typical right-leaning views. And we might say, no, that's what Jesus is. You know, he's about those kind of things. And we say, that's the gospel. That, you know, we take that and we run with that. But Jesus says, he says to that, get behind me, Satan. Let's have a look. Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Because the message Jesus is giving us is the only way to reveal his kingdom on the earth is for us to die and be born again. For us to bring each bit of our life into total subjection to him and find out how he is rebuilding it and how he is resurrecting those things in our lives. We can get distracted by saying, Jesus is all about my thing over here or Jesus is all about my thing over there. No, Jesus is calling us to look at him, to know him, to see what that death means for us in our lives and what that resurrection therefore means from that point on. So I had a few little thoughts about well, what does this mean for me? You know, over the, fa the last few weeks, we've been looking at the um, fruits of the Spirit. You know, I have an agenda for bringing about all of those in my life. I really want joy in my life. So here's my agenda. Do things that make me happy. Uh, hang around with happy people. Uh, how else are you going to make joy? Examples, anybody? Ice cream. 
Everybody loves ice cream. <laughs> okay, so these are the words. Eat, eat yourself happy. Bring joy in your life with those things. That's our agenda. And that's not the kind of joy Jesus wants to bring us. See, that is obviously, sub, that's subject to the world around us. And ultimately, we all know that when you chase after these things, they somehow just elude us. This is not the way to the, the fruit of the spirit of joy that Jesus wants to bring into our lives. The kind of joy that Jesus brings is the kind when you've subjected your life to him and you've brought it into total submission. And even though your circumstances don't look the way you want them to look, you still find joy bubbling over and you're still joyful in spite of that. That's the death and then resurrection of a, a different kind of joy. A joy that can't be touched by the world. A joy that's beyond our circumstances. Same with peace. I'm always trying to make my life more peaceful. Like, you know... Just try and get rid of all conflict. I don't like conflict. Who likes conflict? Get rid of that and get rid of difficult people. You know, all these kind of things. It'll make my life more peaceful. It's too busy. Just, oh, like I've got an agenda for my life to bring more peace into my life. But I realize God's agenda for my life is not just to get everything else out of the way so I can finally go, ah, peace. Because that isn't the real peace. No, the real peace is when you... you <laughs> You look at your life and you go, even though this doesn't look like the path towards what I want to achieve, I'm going to walk down it anyway. I'm going to put my agenda to death and keep going towards him because I believe my job is to follow him. That's what we're called, is to follow in his footsteps. And he goes off to give his life for the world and be resurrected into a new life. That's what we're called to do as Christians. That's the journey we're on. So to know Jesus is to know that journey, to recognize the full thing, not just the arrow going up and coming down, but that we have to put to death our own agenda for our own lives. We have to bring it all into subjection to him. That's what God wants for us as a church. He wants us to bring together, put to death our own little ideas of how this could work out, how that, and come straight full on to him and said, have your way. It's what he wants for you as individuals. We've got to keep doing it. Think about how you're going to do this at work. Think about how you're going to do this in your marriage or different areas. You know, Jesus challenges us by saying, he who comes after me and doesn't hate his mum or dad and wife and kids is not fit for my kingdom. He's not going to find this life. And what does he mean? That's ridiculously strong terms. It means he's got to be at the top. It means when you think about how you're going to deal with your family and how you're going to deal with these things, you let your own agenda die. You have to say, I want to help these guys, but I'm going to have to let that agenda die because I know the right way to help them is for Jesus to be resurrected in me and Jesus' is, uh, life to be resurrected in me and in those relationships. And that is how I help my family. We have to be willing to put those things to death so that Jesus' life will be resurrected in us. Amen. That's a good thing. It's a tough journey, though. I mean, you've got to know that, uh, you know, that's, that's what the analogy of the arrow is you've got to know what's going on. You've got to know what you're, what you're following. Jesus is the one we're called to follow. He is the leader. He is the example of what our life should look like when we follow him. It will be challenging. You will be pushed to know that he is at the top in all these areas of your life because that's what it means to be his disciple. But it's an exciting challenge because that's where life is. You will have life and life in all its fullness. That's what it means to be born again of the Spirit of God. So, I think this is a message that God is asking us as individuals and as a church. 
How much are we willing to yield to him? How much are we willing to bring to him and put to death our own agenda and let his agenda be born again in us? And maybe as we close, as we get to the end, this message, this journey seems like one you want to go on. Maybe you've been liking Jesus on Instagram, Twitter, one of the Twitters. (laughs) Maybe that's how you've been um, approaching Christianity. Maybe you think, I'll hang around with Christians. I'll, you know, I'll start to embody what they do. I'll do that. But really, you're beginning to recognize that the journey towards Christ means picking up your cross and following him. It means we have to go on his path. Let's have a look at this last verse. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is before he's gone to the cross. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I think that's the last one, right? Let me just check. Yeah, that's it. That's the journey we're on. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do. Find your life. You've got to be willing to put your life down. Go Find who he is in all these areas. So maybe that is you. Maybe even you've You might be new, but what if you're not new? But you'll be realizing that God's calling you to come to him and pick up your cross and put to death some of your own agendas for the different areas of your life. Maybe that's you as well. I think I'd like to pray for us all together. I think it's a good opportunity. God is speaking to us through this service. He's saying, will you come to me? Will you follow me? Will you yield these areas of your lives? Will you be my disciple? And put down your own agenda and have my agenda, who I am, birthed in you. Let me be your king. So, if that's you, we're going to pray. Let's just pray together. We'll bring our lives to God. We'll reflect on what he's calling us to do today. Heavenly Father, Jesus, you call us to follow you. Follow me. And we hear that. We want to know what we're getting into, Father. We want to look at you. We want to become familiar with who you are. And we want to follow. We want to pick up our cross and follow you. We want to yield our life to you. So, Father, we come to you as a church. And we say we want to be the church that you want us to be. And then we come to you as individuals. We say, I want to have the life that you want me to have. I want to bring it all into subjection to you. I want to follow you by putting it to death and being resurrected into your life. Come and be with me on that journey. Let me look at you as I go. Let me get to know you as I go on that journey. Have more of my life. Be my king. Be my lord. Be my master. Let me yield to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What's happening next, Ed? Announcements.